I'm really excited that you're here, and I look forward to uh, sharing the message that we have today. Uh, I'm going to be talking again today about how we as Christians should handle our relationships with each other when we have differing opinions and convictions about things. Now, let me say something about this right now. I know something. I know you're going, Ed, you've been talking about this for three or four weeks now. Well, you're exactly right. And the reason is because we're in Romans chapter 14, and that's what Romans chapter 14 talks about. So we're just marching through the chapter, and we're going to keep talking about this. The interesting thing is, is that Paul takes the same subject, and he approaches it from different angles in all these messages. So hopefully you're taking away something new. And uh, it won't be too long, a couple more weeks, and we'll be through with chapter 14 and moving on. But uh, we're going to continue talking about this subject, so hopefully you'll bear with me. And by the way, this is something we all really need. We probably need this point driven home over and over and over again because this causes such a big problem in the church, this idea of us not getting along because of disputable matters. So really, we need to hear all of this. So thanks for joining us and just hang in there with us, okay? And you and I know this. At some point in time, it is bound to happen. Uh, There is going to be a dispute over something that someone believes the Bible speaks very clearly about or they have a personal preference about, and they're going to fuss and they're going to argue their point and try to force it on you. Or maybe you're going to do the same thing to someone else. We've all done it. We've all had it done to us. It's bound to happen. Probably already has. And and sometimes differing opinions and convictions regarding our beliefs can cause tension in our relationships with other believers. And that's what was happening in the Roman church. And Paul's like, man, that shouldn't be happening at all. But it was happening. So how do we deal with those things? That's what we've been talking about for these past few weeks. What do we do when we have differing opinions on things that are non-essential matters, on things that the Bible isn't explicitly clear about as far as it being sin? It doesn't forbid it, and so we have the freedom to maybe do it. But should we do it? How do we relate to other people when we're talking about it? All those kind of things. Well, we're going to take a look today. Now, we're still looking at this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Roman church. Now, it was a a young church, and um, it was filled with Jews and Gentiles, people from different backgrounds and peoples of different levels of spiritual maturity. And um, in this part of the letter, Paul's talking to to all those Christians uh, in the Roman church about how they relate to each other. And there is a tension that exists in the church. Because instead of the people focusing on things that mattered, there were some people in the church that were focusing on things that were disputable, on on non-essential matters. And the people should have been focusing on the essentials of Christianity, uh, understanding the gospel, loving each other, those kinds of things. But some of them were focusing on things of conscience, of personal preference, and they were fussing and they were fighting over their personal convictions. And they weren't being very nice to each other. And that's generally what happens when we start fussing over this kind of stuff. People have very strong feelings about this kind of stuff. And when you start talking about it, people begin arguing and fussing and fighting. And uh, and, and it's things that we shouldn't be fussing about. We should be focusing on things that are important, like the gospel. And these people had gotten to the point where they were judging each other. They were saying things like, boy, that person does this, so they can't really be a Christian, can they? Ever had anybody say something like that about you? You ever said that about somebody else? I guess I need to raise my hand because I've been guilty of this and I've had people do the same thing about me. But we shouldn't be doing those kinds of things. We shouldn't be focusing on disputable matters. 
So in his letter, and in this part of the letter specifically, chapter 14 of Romans, the Apostle Paul has some instructions for the people. And now if you're just joining us today, as I said earlier, we've been talking about this for weeks. Now you can go to heartchurch.org and you can go to the sermon series, It's Not About Me, and you can check it out and you can see our previous messages if you're interested in those. Well, today we're gonna talk specifically about our own personal attitudes and actions regarding those things in scripture that aren't clearly defined. We're gonna be talking about that again. Those areas where we have freedom to live according to our own conscience. God hasn't specifically you know, laid something out as sin, and so we have the freedom maybe to do that thing. And, and, we, and we live by our own convictions and our own conscience regarding that thing. But, but, but should we? And, and how do we respond to other people and, and talk to other people about it and react when somebody else does something that we don't think is right, but it's not an essential matter? Well, let's see what Paul has to say. Now, our passage today is again in Romans chapter 14. Now, we're moving through this pretty good. We're getting kind of close to the end of Romans chapter 14. And we're going to begin today with verse 16 and go through verse 19. So let's read the passage and see what Paul has to say. Paul says, So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. In other words, it's not a matter of these disputable matters, but it's a, it's a matter of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Now, the first thing as we look at this passage that I want you to see is that we need to be cautious with our freedom. Did you notice in verse 16, listen to that verse again. Paul says, so do not let us, do, so do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. Now, when Paul says what you regard as good, he's speaking about your personal convictions in regards to disputable matters. Your personal feelings about those things that aren't essential matters, according to scriptures. Those areas of life where God gives us some freedom to make our own choices and decisions, uh, our own choices and decisions based on our relationship with him and our personal consciences. And he says, listen, Paul says this, don't let those things be spoken of as evil. In other words, this is what Paul is saying. You should always keep in mind how your actions will affect a weaker Christian. Here's a good phrase. Liberty does not mean license. In other words, your freedom does not mean you ought to practice something. You see, as believers, we can use our freedom, we can use our liberty that we have, but we shouldn't abuse it. We should always keep in mind how our conduct will affect other Christians. Look at that verse again. It says, so, not, so do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. You see, you and, and me, we, we shouldn't flaunt our freedoms just because we can't. Uh, we shouldn't, you know, just like say, well, I'm going to do this and the Bible doesn't say it's wrong, so I'm going to do it and I don't care what you think. No, that shouldn't be our attitude. We should do everything out of love, everything out of love and sensitivity to other people. We should always keep in mind how our conduct will affect weaker Christians. We need to be cautious with our freedom. Maybe I should say that we need to be cautious and we need to be kind with our freedom. 
Always putting the other person first. Always thinking about them. Not just thinking about ourselves and our freedom and what we can do and what we can't do and, and, and trying to force our opinion on other people. We should always be cautious with our freedom. Well, there's something else that we can take from this as well. And it's that we need to be kingdom-minded. This is an important point. Listen to verses 17 through 18. Paul says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. In other words, it's not a matter of disputable things, non-essential things, all those trivial things we shouldn't be paying attention to. That's not what it's all about. But the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness. It's about living a right life before God, living a God-honoring life, pursuing Christ, making Him our priority, and, and also peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God. So if we serve Christ in that way, we live righteous lives, lives that we pursue peace with God and other people, and, and we, we have joy in our lives and we pursue joy in our lives, if we do that, it says, whoever thus serves Christ, whoever does that is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. You see, as believers, we shouldn't be all hung up on disputable matters. We should be more concerned about bringing God glory and advancing his kingdom than anything else. We should be kingdom-minded. Now, here's what that means. First, it means that we should be concerned with our own righteousness. You know, in my life, I need to be concerned first and foremost about my relationship with Jesus. Do I have a relationship with Jesus? Am I living for him? Am I trying to bring him glory? Am I trying to advance the kingdom? I should be concerned about my own personal righteousness, being the kind of person that I should be and doing what's right. That's what it means to, uh, to advance the kingdom. For me personally, to live for Jesus, to get it right, to live in a way that brings him glory and, and to bring him honor, to exalt him, to make him the priority of my life. That's what I should be doing. I should work to have the best relationship with God and my fellow men that I can. That's my responsibility and that's on me and that's what it means for me to advance the kingdom. But it also means that I should also strive for peace with God and my fellow man. Listen to Romans 12, 18. Uh, this is a verse that we actually talked about a few weeks ago, and I've used it a couple times in this series because it fits perfectly with everything that we're talking about. Romans 12, 18 says that if possible, okay, if possible, so far as it depends on me to live peaceably with all. You see, I should promote peace, not discord. You should promote peace peace, not discord. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with others. If you know that some conversation is going to cause you not to live at peace with someone, if it's not a necessary conversation, then don't have it. That, that verse does say whenever it's possible. So when it's possible to pursue peace, always pursue peace. Now, there are sometimes we have to have hard conversations that don't lead to peace. I understand that but those should be few and far between. Most of the time, we should be having conversations that pursue and promote peace, not discord. That's, that's one thing that we need to understand. We also should live joyfully. That's another thing. We should have joy in our life. You know what? The result of right living, if we live righteous, as that verse told us a moment ago, and living with peace with God, living in peace with God and with others, let me tell you what that'll bring to your life. 
it'll bring joy to your life. You won't always be looking around the corner waiting for somebody to show up that you know is gonna give you a hard time or that you're in some dispute with or something like that. You're gonna have joy in your life because you're living at peace with others. And I don't know about you, but I like joy. I don't like to have a lot of stress and anxiety in my life. I wanna have joy in my life. And there should be fulfillment and happiness in life. When you and I focus on living right before God and living peaceably with God and other people, our lives will be characterized by joy. I bet you can use a little joy. I sure can use a little joy. I have enough stress, enough anxiety, enough stuff going on that just comes at me when I don't ask for it. I need to live righteously before God and at peace with others so that I can have joy in my life. Life's a lot better when it's working like that. And if we'll do that, God will be glorified and his kingdom will be advanced. And then we're fulfilling our purpose to bring God glory when we do that. And that's the way that you're supposed to live. And that's the way that I'm supposed to live. But these Romans that Paul was writing to, they were having a problem with all this. They weren't getting it right. They they were more concerned about their own personal interests, their own personal pleasures than being kingdom-minded. They were fussing and fighting over things that really didn't matter, over disputable matters, over things that, that, that weren't explicitly wrong in the Bible, but they had strong opinions about it and they were fussing and fighting. After all, everybody wants to be right, right? That's what they wanted to be. They wanted to be right. And Paul says this to them. He goes, you guys have this all wrong. You're not living the way you're supposed to. You're not treating your brothers and sisters in Christ the way you're supposed to. Look at verses 17 through 18 again. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not a matter of disputable matters, but it's a matter of righteousness, right living, and a matter of peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ in this manner is acceptable to God and approved by men. Paul is saying to them and to you and me, you need to stop majoring in the minors. Instead of being self-centered, instead of being so focused on everything in someone else's life that really doesn't, it's not of all that importance, it really doesn't matter that much, you need to be kingdom-minded. Now, there's a lot of information in what I just told you, and probably some of you right now, you're, you're just sort of thinking about this and and it's swirling around in your head, and you're thinking about somebody who's done this to you, or maybe a time when you've done this to someone else when you've majored in the minors, and you've, you've, taught, you've probably thinking, man, I spent all this time just arguing with people over these things that really don't matter, and, I'm not, and, and maybe you're making a decision right now, I'm not gonna do that anymore because that's what the Word of God says. It says I shouldn't be doing it. Well, another thing that Paul tells us is that we need to pursue peace and build other people Uh, Look with me at verse 19. Paul says, So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Now, this verse piggybacks on what we just saw, but it goes a little bit further because Paul says that as believers here, uh, that what we need to do and what we should be doing is that we should pursue that which makes for peace And that's what he said, pursue what makes for peace. You should think about your attitude. You should think about your actions. You should always be pursuing peace. You should take the initiative to promote peace in every situation and circumstance that you can. 
Remember that verse from before, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Remember that verse, Romans 12, 18. Now, we've already talked about that, so hopefully you get it. But here, Paul goes a little bit further. Now, this is interesting because he says you shouldn't stop at pursuing peace. We ought to be doing that, but don't stop there. That's just making everything okay. You should actually make it your goal to build other people up. So you need to be encouraging other people. You need to be inspiring other people. You need to be helping other people become the best versions of themselves that God has created them to be. Paul says that as believers, we should be more concerned about the growth of the body of Christ, the church, and other believers. We should be more concerned about that than our own personal freedom and spiritual advancement. Now, I want you to think about it this way. The church is a family of believers. We cannot, as a church, have unity as a family if some of the members are more concerned about practicing their personal convictions than living in love. We can't do it. We can't have unity. I guess you could say it this way, that if love does not live here, we're in trouble. So our goal should always be to pursue peace, to build other people up. And at Heartland, this is how we express that. Our mission statement says that we exist to love Jesus and to love each other and to love our world. If we get those things right, then we'll be able to say beyond a shadow of a doubt that love lives here. And if love lives here, we're gonna be more concerned about pursuing peace and building other people up. We're gonna be more concerned about other people than we are ourselves. We're gonna be more concerned about loving others. We're gonna be more concerned about having joy in our lives and peace in our lives than about fussing and fighting and trying to get our own way. And I think that's the way that God wants us to live. I know that's the way that God wants us to live. And Paul is perfectly clear. He's very clear and to the point in this Romans chapter 14, as he talks to these believers about this. This is such a critically important thing in the church because it's such a big problem. It was a big problem back then, and it's still a problem today. But we've learned today how we should handle ourselves. And hopefully, all of us will give great effort in doing that. Well, you know, one of the best things that you can do, one of the things, matter of fact, you're gonna have to do if you're ever going to get this right, is you're gonna have to put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because you see, the way we're wired as human beings, we're just wired to be self-centered. And we're wired for things to be all about us. And the only way that we can ever get away from that, the only way that we will ever win the battle of self-centeredness is if we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And if the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence in us when we invite Jesus into our lives and helps us to overcome our self-centered attitudes. That's the only way it's ever going to happen. So if you're watching today and, and, and you're, you're here worshiping with us today and you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus, let me invite you to do that today. The Bible says that if we will confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord, and if we will believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. And that's where it all begins, by just asking Jesus to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us, and to, to wash our sins whiter than snow, 
and to come into our lives, to send his Holy Spirit to come into our lives, to minister to us and live in us and help us to live our lives day by day. If we will do that, we have the promise from God that he will send his Holy Spirit to live in us, that he will save us from those sins, and that he will invite us to live in, with him for eternity in heaven. That's called being saved. And if you've never been saved, I would invite you today to make a decision to follow Christ. Right now, matter of fact, if you've never done that, just, just pray with me. No, no, let me say something before you pray with me. There's nothing magic about a prayer. If this is coming from your heart, if you're genuine and if you're sincere and you really desire a relationship with God, and if you will pray, he will save you. So bow your heads and pray with me right now. Just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And right now I'm coming to you and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to cleanse me of my unrighteousness. So in the best way I know how right now, I'm committing my life to following you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you made that decision to follow Christ, first of all, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. Now, please let one of our online hosts know that you made the decision so that we can give you some information to help you in your new journey. And uh, you can email us, you can text us, you, you can go to our website and get in touch with us that way. But let us know that you made this decision. This is so important and we're excited and we want to share in it with you and we want to help you in your journey with Christ.